Okay, we are in Sefer Nechemia, Perek Tes, Pasuk Tes Zion, Behema Avosenu Hezidu. So let's just go back and set the stage. We saw in Perek Ches one of the most beautiful, jubilant, celebratory observances in our Jewish history. Specifically, we dedicated the Bayashani with the first Rosh Hashanah, and then Sukkot, and then Shmini Atzeres. And it was a national celebration that you cannot exaggerate how impactive and dramatic it was on B'nai Israel. As the Perichet starts by Every man in Judea gathered like one man to this public square within the temple, some say at the Ezra's Noshim, some say the entrance to the Heichal, where there they witness Ezra, who by now was well over 100 years old, who had been in private life for several years, come out with the Sefer Torah that had descended in a direct line from Moshe Rabbeinu. It was Moshe's own Torah that he had written. And Ezra read from the Torah. And you cannot exaggerate the impact it had on B'nai Israel. Up till then, yes, there were concerns that the temple did not match the grandeur of the first temple, which it didn't, that they were still um, not a sovereign nation. They were living at the largesse and the goodwill of um, Daryavesh, who was the Persian king. They had no king of their own. But at the same time, this for the moment gave them a sense of stability and assurance and just a joyous um, breathing in of the atmosphere of the temple and of the um, Chagim of Rosh Hashanah and Sukkot. At the same time, a realization sets in that they, B'nai Israel, may have not been living up to their part of the bargain. Up till now, it was all the Kaddish Baruch Hu, and that they may have lapsed in their observance, in their um, keeping of the mitzvos, in certain areas of Judaism. And what sets in is almost a collective sense of, we've got to do tshuva. We've got to make ourselves better. Out of this experience, we have to improve our own lives, our own observance. And so what Tess does test so far is described how there was a day of national fasting the day after Isruchag of Shmini Yatzeres, where that day becomes the template for all the fast days we observe now. In other words, it's a full day. The first part of the morning is what is a cheshmon hanefesh. The people gather among themselves and see what they've done wrong, how they can improve. And then there's a reading of the Torah, specifically Vayichal Moshe, which we read, and the Maftir of Jirshu Hashem Jirshu. And then they read more, they break into groups and they read Torah and they fast for the entire day. And out of this comes a nation resolved to do tshuva. And as part of this day, 
the Levim, as we've seen, who are the teachers of B'nai Yisrael, they mount this specially constructed bima, which also serves as for where they sing each day the Shira of the Levim. And they are the teachers of B'nai Yisrael, and that's exactly what they do. It's a history lesson, starting from the beginning. Avraham being chosen by the Kaddish Baruch Hu, saved from Ur Kazdim, tracing it down to Yitzchak, Yaakov, the experience in Egypt, the miracles at the Dead Sea, the miracles in the uh, Red Sea, not Dead Sea, the miracles at... Um, in the Midbar, the fire that leads them at night, the cloud that leads them at day, the water, the mud, everything. They have been given every benefit, every largesse, every protection of the Kaddish Baruch Hu. And we stop, fortunately, at Perak with Levim continuing in this history lesson, now shows how it really wasn't an equal relationship, how despite the miracles, how despite the beneficence of the Kaddish Baruch Hu, they had betrayed the Kaddish Baruch Hu. And the Levim let them have it, yes. Are you talking like in present time? From the first moment to the present time. It is a non-stop, non-relenting indictment of their relationship to the Kaddish Baruch Hu. One Navi after another excoriate the people of Israel for their failure. So it's not like a surprise. Not only that, but the Levim are going to mention how you've killed off the Levim. You start from, you know, Izevel killing all the Nevi'im, from Yirmiyahu, the attempt to kill him, the other Nevi'im that were killed in the temple. Um, yeah, there hasn't been a moment, as we see. Um, Yud Zayin, I'm sorry, Tessayin. The Heimav Osenu Hezidu, after this beautiful recitation of miracle after miracle, kindness after kindness, and they betrayed, they sinned. And what the sin they're referring to now is the Maraglim. That they sinned with the Maraglim by Yachu es Orpam, they made their necks stiff below Shamu el Mitzvosecha. They did not observe your Mitzvos. The appellation about Israel being Amkeshe Orek, the stiff necked people, works both ways, say the Mephorshim. In many ways, it's to our credit that we have stayed in there all these centuries because of that same quality of stubbornness. Um, I remember just parenthetically once when de Gaulle, the late Charles condemning B'nai Israel, the Israel, he had such problem with that. He said, they're such a stiff-necked people. That's what he said in French. But in any event, that has stayed with us. And so they, in the Maradlin case, is a perfect example. Everything was done as a miracle, and you decide it's not good enough that the Kaddish Baruch Hu says he's giving you that land. You want to send spies to check your safety. Can you win a war? Forget that. So, 
They decline to listen to you. They don't remember the niflos, the miracles you did. They stiffen their neck. Uh, that they want to go back to their Abdus Vimiram. In other words, they're saying, or the Levites are saying, that the Nei Yisrael the, after the Meraglin want to designate someone to lead them back to Egypt, of all places. That's not entirely accurate. The Torah kind of tells us that they said that maybe we should have somebody lead us back. They never go to the step of appointing someone to take them back to Egypt. Continuing the Levites, nonetheless, you remain a God of forgiveness. You show them every forgiveness, every mercy, every graciousness, every chesed. And you do not leave them in that situation. When they even made a golden calf, two months or barely two months after you gave them the Ten Commandments that said you shall not make a graven image, they go and make an egel masecha by Yomu, and they say, Zelo Hecha, this is our God. And they do terrible, terrible Averos and Mephoshim say that in the end, the last analysis, the Egel Azov was about just licentiousness, about sexual freedom, about um, just libidinous, lecherous, meretricious kind of behavior on B'nai Yisrael. It was an excuse. And by Yasunatzoskidol, you did terrible provocations. In your great compassion, you didn't leave them in the desert. That cloud that led them during the day, you didn't take it away from them. That pillar of flame at night that guided them. You didn't remove that. You took none of it away. You kept them with every miracle intact. And you gave them your spirit of goodness and kindness so that they would at least understand what you were doing for them. You did not um, take food away from them, the man, and you did not take away the water that miraculously fed them every day. You sustained them for 40 years in the desert. You didn't, they were not caused to lack anything. Two very interesting miracles. Their clothes never dried up. They wore the same clothes. The Medjur says that even the people, they grew into the clothes. As a young, uh, young child would get older, the clothes would grow with him. Your feet in the desert. You never had to change your sandals, your shoes in the hot desert. They didn't dry. They didn't get destroyed. Every miracle you had given them.
Moreover, beyond promising them they would conquer the seven Canaanite nations, you gave them other kingdoms and other nations. You gave them for corners of the world by Yoshua's Eretz Sichon. You gave them the miraculous victory of Sichon. There's Eretz Melech Heshbon and Heshbon, which was a tremendous victory on the east side of the Jordan. There's Eretz Og, Melech Habashan, the miraculous victory over Melech Habashan. This was not even in the original promise. This exceeded what you promised them. Miraculous victories against enemies of far greater number and strength. And you increase their children of B'nai Yisrael like these stars in the skies. That's not an exact metaphor, but it means that you increase B'nai Yisrael to tremendous numbers. And you brought them to that land you swore to their forefathers they would inherit. They came and they inherited the land. The Canaanites trembled before them. They didn't have to fire a shot. You gave them into their hands. You had whatever you needed to do. Interestingly, when you battled the Canaanites, there was no scorched earth. You got whatever they had. You got the land in its entirety, the vineyards, the fields, the houses, as we're going to see. By Yilkadu Orim Bitsuros, you conquered fortified cities, lands fat with produce. By Yershu Batim Malayim Kaltub, houses that had everything in there, Baros Chatzubim, Karamim, Bezeitim, you took fields and vineyards and olive um, orchards, Eitz Machal and enough food, just a tremendous amount of food. You didn't have to do a thing. By Yochlu, by Yisbu, by Yashminu, by Yisadnu, by Tufrahagadon, what you did was you ate. And you satiated yourself, and you fattened yourself, and and in your own consumption, you forgot. It's like it says by Yishman Yeshur and by Yivat that Israel waxed fat and they forgot. And that's what you did. You forgot the origin of it all. By Yamu, by Yimrdu Bach, and you rebelled. You, you conspired against the Kaddish Baruch Hu by Yashlichu as Torah Shach Gavam. You threw the Torah, as it were, behind your backs. Vesniyev Neviecha Hargu Asher Heidu Bala Hashiva Melecha by Yasu Naotzos Gedolos. As you said, Steve, the Neviim, you killed off your own Neviim. From Izevel on to uh, all the Neviim except for a hundred that were saved by Elisha, and then the other Navi who was killed in the base of Mikdash on Yom Kippur. And then there was the other Nadim, like Yirmiyahu, they attempted to, who in the end was assassinated. Um, so that the Nadim, when you, you had total contempt for the Nadim, no matter what was sent to you. 
you just continue to do provocations. And so the Kaddish Baruch who turned you over to your enemies. And then, of course, the predictable crying out to the Kaddish Baruch Tishma, And again, Kaddish Baruch Hu listens. And each time, it's a cycle, a never-ending cycle. You sin, you betray, you then confess, and the Kaddish Baruch Hu comes back to save you. Again, you're conquered and reconquered, whether it's the Assyrians, the Bablaim, etc. And each time you cry out, and each time you're miraculously saved. And it's a never-ending cycle. Each time you're saved and you pledge allegiance to the Torah, to the Kaddish Baruch Hu, to the mitzvahs, you then go back, you slide back and you sin, you betray them. Um, and again, you extend that stiff neck and you just... Uh, do not listen. And so again, the historical cycle, you don't listen, you will not obey. Again, the foreign nations come to dominate you. Yet the Kaddish Baruch Hu does not end your existence. He doesn't leave them. Because he's a merciful, compassionate God. Ignore or overlook or forgive that which they did to the kings, to the Sarenu, to the Kohanim, to the Nevi'im, to all those Senu, to their forefathers, how they just rejected everything. From Assyria to this day, how you fell into the Assyrians, how you were punished, how you were redeemed. And in the end, the Kaddish Baruch Hu, you have been righteous, we have been wicked. And yes, even our kings and our leaders and our Kohanim and our forefathers did not obey your Torah. And did not listen to the mitzvot and the edus and the chukim which you had given them. They did not even worship you in the midst of the greatest prosperity, where the land just gave forth of its produce and you lived security. You didn't make a step back from your evil actions. Remember these little Levites excoriating the people. 
So now, today, you are servants to another nation. And the land in which was given to us to eat, to sustain ourselves, to prosper, we're like servants on the land. Remember, Paras is still running the land. And so they are using the land, eating of our food, dominating with us taxes, and therefore our animals are done with whatever they want, and we are in great sorrow. And now, tomorrow, in Yitzhashem, B'nai Yisrael, so recondite and so anxious to do tshuva as a nation. It is one of the greatest tshuva movements in our history. Now come together and write a written new bris, a new covenantal relationship with the Kaddish Baruch. It is an amazing act of tshuva. 8.45 a.m. tomorrow, you will not want to miss it. Ad Khan.